What's up, everyone? Welcome to Narrative Calculus, the podcast show where we review everything from movies to TV shows to now books. Our first one, which is which is which is something else, musicals and everything in between. Today we have a uh, um an an uh, an oldie but a goldie, as you should say. Um, apparently, I've never read this before. Ty has, but it's a book called "The Old Man in the Sea" by some guy named Ernest Hemingway. Never heard of by him some guy named um, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, just some guy. So apparently, this book came out in. Nineteen fifty-two, copyrighted in nineteen fifty-two, and that's about all we can tell you about him. So the story kind of goes like this: there's this there's this old man, and he's he's the old man. In case you were wondering from the title, and he is a fisherman. He has this young apprentice type person, and the apprentice helps him. It's kind of clear that he's 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 kind of going insane, or he just doesn't. He just he's just kind of deteriorating. This would be a better word of going insane. He's just kind of deteriorating from his old age, but you can tell that. He definitely has some history to him. There's definitely more than meets the eye with this individual. And he's had a lot of bad luck lately. I think there's this 84 days go by, right? 84 days? Yeah, right. 84. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 84 days go by where he doesn't catch anything. And so he goes out and he tries to catch something. And there's a really big struggle between him and, and this re- really big fish. What's the fish called again? What's, what's, what's the marlin name? It's a marlin. Marlin, yeah, yeah. There's a fish in a marlin, and then he, it's basically, um, I don't know, just introspective conversations between the similarities between him and the fish, and talking about thinking about Joe DiMaggio. Um, they talk yeah, about DiMaggio then, a lot. And it, <laughs> yeah, which is actually fine though. DiMaggio is actually really interesting. Back in like fifth grade. I did a report on him, and I read, like, a whole entire biography. It was, like, this thick. And so, he's Whoa. actually not... He's, he's, he's not that boring. He's pretty interesting. He, yeah. he like, um, uh, he waved his finger in front of me, and it was about an inch apart. That's why we were laughing. <laughs> yeah, so, um... And he eventually catches it. He treats it as his worthy opponent. And it gets taken by these sharks when he ties it to the side, um of the boat and they eat it and he's he's kind of sad afterwards and then he he goes back home he's like his hand is all like torn up from hanging onto the rope and he's really exhausted but he eventually um he gets a skeleton of the fish and some people see it and confuse it for a shark and then he go he um and then the his young apprentice friend gets him coffee and the newest baseball scores would you say that's a satisfactory summary of the pretty book. much yeah okay so the characters in this book um i think the this is obviously they're pretty fleshed out you know there's the old man who we obviously know a lot of we know like a little bit of his backstory what he likes similarities he sees between him himself and the fish his resilience in catching it his very deep conversations internally with himself there's the boy i mean he's and he's what, what there you have to say about the character he's there and, yeah 
And there's and there's the fish. Yes, the fish um, is my favorite basically character. Rep- the fish rep- basically represents all his best qualities, I think. Am I picking that up right? I actually I didn't pick up on that, but now that you say it, I think I get what what you mean. Like, they're both extremely resilient in the face of overwhelming adversity. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think that's the only word we can use to describe either of these two. Really resilient. I don't think there's any adjectives that we can use besides that. I think the old man is a pretty pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, not really, kind of. He's mostly... I know. He has about two characteristics that define him, pretty much. He He's insanely resilient in the face of overwhelming adversity. 84 straight days without a catch. He goes out there, gets it eaten, and then he just, you know, shrugs it off. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's impressive and all, um, but... Like, a robot can do that. And we don't clap for the robot that manages to do that. That's that's yeah. whatever. So Well, I think the reason we clap for him, though, is because, like, of the physical struggles he goes through to get that. Like, the robot isn't yeah, going to feel anything. Yeah, but what, he is. And, what, what I'm trying to get at is that for us to empathize with a character, there has to be more to it. And Hemingway, to his credit, tries to flesh him out a bit more with, like, you know... He's a widower, he lost his wife ages ago, he has weird nostalgia, I think is the right term. He has a kind of nostalgia for when he was in Africa or something. Mm-hmm. He's the lions. Yeah, I, I feel like that's, um, I think he's pretty, well he has like two dimensions, but those two dimensions are pretty one-dimensional. Like, he has like, for like his character, what he does... For his, like, motivation, I mean, he's just really resilient. He doesn't, he just wants to do a good job, I guess. He just... Well, he, wa- yeah, he doesn't want to starve. <laughs> yeah. And then he has some, like, interesting character points about him. Like, the lot, he keeps having these dreams about lions and his relationship with the little boy, which sounds a little weird saying it out loud, but... Um, uh... And, <laughs> and, and, um, his, um... His extreme fanboy nature for, I don't know what you'd call it. DiMaggio? DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah, I think it's DiMaggio. I'm pretty sure it's DiMaggio. I could be wrong. I don't know. But I feel like there's not much more to his character than those two things. Well, I think I think it's not very complex, but what he manages to do with it is very interesting. It's like Luke Skywalker. Like, Luke is not a particularly deep character. He has... Mm-hmm. He's very two-dimensional, pretty much. Yeah. So why... Yeah, 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 I can definitely agree but, with that. So why is it that we... That Luke Skywalker has pretty much... Is such a... He's so... Culturally, like... You know, he he's infiltrated pop culture to the point that, you know... Even people out in South America have watched New Hope at, at least once, right? So what is it about Luke Skywalker? Yeah, I think... I think it might be, like, if we're just talking about his character, the only thing I could think of would be, like, the reveals of Leia being his sister or his relationship with his father and his refusal to turn to the dark side, or to take in a completely different direction, the external story. 
like not the internal struggle, the external struggle. Hmm. Because you you told me before that Star Wars isn't like a super complex story, but it manages to tell that story really well, and I think this the the way it tells it really well is externally, not necessarily internally, as far as the struggles go. Luke's motivations are very one dimensional. He's just you know. He yeah I know I know I'm I'm just you asked why he was like able to get through to pop culture and I'm telling you that's why I think that's why I think it is yeah no I'm just building well, on I mean, that by explaining that more okay, more okay. why his yeah. internal struggle really isn't all that impressive like he's mm. his entire motivation is basically oh I want to get out of this place and then when he does get out of this place he's like oh I want to go back home or you know, I I mean. My brain. That was Ray, man. That was Ray. <laughs> well, she is pretty much a copy, but uh, she she's yeah. a clone. She's Luke Skywalker's clone. <laughs> but she spends her whole life. Uh, she he spends his whole life kind of <laughs> like ineffect ineffectively struggling against his normal world. Then when that's flipped all upside down, he's on the Death Star. He has the just amazing motivation of wanting to go save the princess about midway through you know mm-hmm. he's not really a fleshed out character yeah, and in spite yeah, of that right. there really isn't in, mm-hmm. in spite of that we still root for him mostly because we can i think there's a fine line between an everyman and no man you you I, this is going to sound a bit... I, I know that came out of nowhere, but what I'm trying to get at is that I think yeah. Luke Skywalker and the Fishermen are what we would call everyman, right? They're meant to be so loose and ill-defined that you can easily p- place yourself into his uh, into their shoes. Yeah, so and basically say, like the vessel... The vessel for the audience to experience what they're going through. Or the world, you know? Is right. what I mean? And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I get it. And I think the reason why those types of characters, it's really hard to do well, actually. Like if you look through TV shows with those kinds of characters, right? They're either ineffectual and you just hate their guts. Like um, my fellow anime fans are going to be uh, <coughs> Kirito. <coughs> um, so. Yeah, Jonathan doesn't get worth what that reference is, so I like I don't even know why mm. I pulled that out. But like, <laughs> after a certain point, uh, the the character, an everyman character, if they're so ill-defined and so loose and so generic, you can't bring yourself to root for them anymore because you just because they're more robot than people. They're not everyman. They're I don't know what what's the what's an everyman taken to the extreme? No man is that the term I used earlier? Wow, I'm really out of it today. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I I have no idea. I definitely see where you're coming from, though. I, de- I definitely yeah. See so so that's what I Luke. That, that's what I think. Santiago or is that his name? Santiago, whatever. I, that's what I think the old man is meant to be. He's supposed to be someone we can relate to on a superficial level about like you know the daily grind the difficulty and resilience Mm -hmm. in the face of 
overwhelming adversity, he's not meant to be exceptionally deep. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's just kind of going off on the tangent really here really, really quick. I think that's kind of like the vibe I was picking up from the whole book. Nothing was done really extremely well. Like, like the characters definitely weren't done very well. The plot wasn't done super well. The themes, I guess, were never give up. Um, is that right? Never give up. up I don't know. Up. Never give in. What would you say that the themes are of this? Like, like, <laughs> like I, I don't even know. Like, like don't judge old people or like don't <laughs> give up. Or, like, I don't know. Like, what would you say the themes are? Because like I, I like I, I just don't feel just anything. Resilience in, really, in the face of really adversity. Really it's well. about one man against the world. Okay, here let me let me let me do this. Okay, um, tell me a theme that does not have the word or an or a synonym of ad that um of resilience in it. Perseverance. Okay, no, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you see. Wait, like, hold on, like hold on. Let me give, give me more than thirty seconds. Come on, dude. No, not okay, even thirty okay, seconds. Okay, okay, Five. Okay. Let's see. I guess another theme would. <laughs> I guess another theme would be. Uh, let's see. The life of a fisherman is really is really tough. We are all Jesus Christ in purgatory. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see, there, there, there really, there really was not much there. You know. Um, well, hold on, hold on, you, hold on. You, by the way, are the one who. Wait, I don't think that's fair. I mean, the uh, like, the whole, there are stories that have, you know, like, 20 or 30 different themes, but what ends up happening is it's so over the top and so, so all over the place, it's like you don't even know what's tying it all together, and it's a total mess. I think, I mean, like, I read through, like, some of the history of this, and Hemingway's whole goal with this was to try to distill a story down to, like, the absolute most essential elements. So yeah, it's only going to have one theme because he's trying to focus on just that one theme. He wants to really go deep well, with Well, he just... succeeded in that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess in that context is okay. But still, like, as as a book, like, I, like, I don't know. I've never seen or read anything that had, like, like too many themes where I couldn't keep up. Well, I guess that depends. Like, like what would you call like a story, like like a, a a super known story that has too many themes that you couldn't keep up with? Too many themes that because I... I'm 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 having a hard time putting my finger on one that I can that that made me think of. And mm. even like if the. And like even like like I'm sure there are stories like that even if we can't think of one right now, but there is a middle ground. Like it's not like you either have like one theme or you have thirty that that are like get all you know blended up and it doesn't turn out very good. There is a balance. So I think just saying that some stories do it really bad, like a lot worse than this one did, isn't really fair to say that this one did it well. You know what I mean? 
Well, what I was trying to get at was that more themes does not equal more quality. I think in this case it does. I think if there were a couple, like I like, I'm I'm talking about out of the context you just told me, like, like I know, okay, like if he was like trying to distill this into like an extremely simple story, then fine, but I still think it could have used like more themes just in general as a story, like. I think in this case it would have upped the quality. Well, why do you disagree? Well, I mean, any story has a central... Any good story has a central theme anyway. Any other themes are secondary or they're subject to the central theme. Like, you know, they're childs of the initial theme. I don't have a better term for it off the top of my head. Probably subjugated. Uh, who cares? But, so, you need a central theme anyway. So, I mean... In a really, in a story that's meant to be distilled down to like the most essential elements, I can see why you wouldn't want any hanging themes or secondary themes. If you're just, go if you're going to be focusing on a central theme anyway, like any good story would. Yeah, but you don't feel that the, the only theme here being be resilient makes it feel a little empty. At all to you? No. Okay. Then. No, I mean like if it is the, confirmed, if he... I'm crazy. No, 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 no. See, the thing is, like, pretty much any again. <laughs> I hate to say it. Say it again. Any good story, any good story, a decent <laughs> story. We'll generally be able to throw together... You'll be able to summarize the central theme in a sentence anyway. It's the depths to which that is explored and the emotional kind of attachment you get to seeing the main character try to solve this question. That's what, that's what gives the theme depth, right? When you add more dimensions and say, what if you took this approach or this approach and look at it from all the different perspectives? But the fundamental question can still be summed up in one sentence. You get what I'm saying? And I think this is part of why you, you feel it isn't very deep because it doesn't go that extra level. It doesn't, you know... It doesn't approach the question, the question from multiple angles about whether or not resilience is really worth the effort or anything like that. It's just the guy. Well, I mean, it's too. It's very two step. Three. There are like two or three steps. It it asks the question: Is resilience the answer? And then it answers it with, kind of. That's it. Is resilience the answer? Kind of. Because in the end, he does, you know, stay resilient. And what happens is, well, his fish gets eaten. And, but, he does get to go fish with the little kid again. So, I mean, it's good. It's cool, you know. So, it's very yeah, two-step. It doesn't really approach it from any other perspectives. You get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I yeah. I guess I do, but I don't know. I just, just wasn't too hot on these. Um, okay, so I kind of feel the same way about the plot generally. I feel it's very bare boned, which I understand. If he was trying to make it super 
a super simple story that just kind of exemplified the realities of life, I guess, which, which is, I guess, what he was trying to do. Um, we summed it up before. It's basically trying to his struggle against this fish, and which is really all that happens. I mean, like, he, and I think this is where the emotional depth, like, could have, I mean, I guess it does help it a little bit. I mean, I don't know, this just felt very empty also. So he, like, he tries to catch the fish, and then he hurts himself, and then he eventually catches it, and he's beat up pretty bad, and then sharks come after it, and he fights the sharks, but they eventually get the get the fish anyway. And then he comes home and rests and gets his little boy apprentice back. Like, like, like not much happens here. Like, which I guess is okay in the context, but what do you have to say about that? Can you repeat it again? You were cutting out. <clears throat> okay, well, how do you feel about the plot? Do you feel that it's extremely bare bones and that, I mean, I mean, I, I agree that in the context he was trying to, was trying what he was trying to get at, it, it's fine, but I just still feel it's pretty hollow. Like, not much was happening the whole time. Do you disagree, or do you agree? Well, on the one hand, grandiose stories like Lord of the Rings are really awesome, but I think there's a trade-off there. And what you trade-off there is that it makes it less personal, and there's less personal, and because of that, there's less that's personally at stake for the audience. Um, which we already talked about in the Lord of the Rings video. But by the same token, you know, going in the other direction, it seems like with if you try to, when you hone in on the character and make it a really small-scale struggle, well, no, no, actually, off the top of my head, I can think of several stories about, you know, somebody just trying to save their flailing job or marriage or whatever that are way more compelling than this crud shoot. <laughs> um, so, uh, just, just wondering, just completely out of context here, why did you, um, why did you want to do this book in the first place? Did you feel like, uh, like, like when you suggested it, were you thinking, oh, this is going to be really good or really bad? And kind of like, Maybe like what's what's Ernest Hemingway kind of known for? He's like I've I've heard the name before, so I know it's he's known to be for really his short great, stories. But... That's the only reason I picked it because we can't do a five hundred thousand word epic and Ernest Hemingway writes short stories. I see. So <laughs> I see, I see. I didn't know if you want if you were trying to like deconstruct like a classic or be like. Here's five reasons why your why your favorite Ernest Hemingway book is terrible. Number one, I like I, I just didn't I just didn't understand why you wanted to do this. So okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, there there's um, no great depth th here. I just picked it because. <laughs> but um, so is there anything else you'd have to say about the plot? Besides, you know, there's stories that do it better, even with. You know, I think we need to get. Like I think we need to get more in, the in depth into why why that is. So I mean, like, let let's go ahead and grab an example of a small scale plot 
that works very well. Not like some, you know, huge end-of-the-world epic Star Wars, uh, you know, whatever, right? Um, what's an example of a really good story that takes place on a relatively small scale? I don't know, but I I don't, like, now that you say it out loud, I don't really feel like the scale is the problem necessarily. But because he didn't do a super great job with the characters, it this, the scale felt kind of you, you know what I mean. Like like I I definitely I'm, I get where you're I get what you're saying. There are small scale stories that do like amazing things, but because it's so it's so it has so much depth to it. You know, like there's like there's a lot of emotion. Like the characters, you really feel a connection to the characters for many different reasons. Like there's a lot of TV shows. Like, um, oh, The Office. <laughs> isn't that the one where that guy like tries to pump that the fake person's heart to the tune of what was it at first i was afraid uh, something like that and that dude like rips off the thing's head and um, tries to put it on and like you know there's something about an organ donor card i don't know the the office the office is a very long and actually, I think this is like most TV shows, like maybe like even Friends, you know, like a group of people that live together trying to get along and I guess that's it. You see, <laughs> so there are like, there are interesting, there is like interesting media that is able to do these things with, um, to, to tell a good story with a small scale. It's the but characters because there wasn't a whole lot of complexity in the themes, or like it's because there wasn't a whole lot of complexity in the themes and the characters. The fact that it has a small scale really throws. I, I think I figured it out. I think I, I think I figured it out. Like if you care about the okay, characters and you understand why they want what they want, then it makes a huge deal. I think like um, Sleepless in Seattle is a rom-com <laughs> about a dude who is like widowed right and he he's just like totally messed up and he's desperate for i haven't actually watched the movie in a while <laughs> maybe that's a bad example let me let me think here right Nuts. I'm trying to... <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. Whatever. Okay, let's just go with Pride and Prejudice. Okay, it takes place... There are, like, six people involved. It, there, there's... Uh, um, Mr. Darcy. God, why am I so bad today? <laughs> okay. Okay, no, not Pride and Prejudice. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. I have read, like, hundreds of analysis of Jane Eyre. Okay. Jane Eyre. So Jane Eyre is a story about Jane Eyre, a girl who is totally unloved. She believes that the only way to get love is through complete enslavement to another person, right? And so over the course of the story, you find out why she is the way she is, that she was treated horribly as a kid. You understand why you want, why she wants those things. You understand, because, well, you understand why she wants human contact, because that's a thing that all humans can relate to. We are social animals. We want other, we want to be around other people. So you can empathize strongly with her struggle, right? 
And on top of that, she's not she's not a robot who's simply seeking out social affection. She's a human being. She has she has other things besides her social life. She's an independent, confident person who refuses to be tread on in spite of the blah, 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 whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's a small-scale story, but you understand why she wants what she does. You understand her struggles, her inner problems. You understand all of that stuff. With this dude, there isn't much of an inner struggle. You get some nostalgia and stuff. You get some con some very light conflict over the fact that he's, like, killing That's his quote-unquote brother. And you get a huge amount of external conflict with him sitting around on a boat ch desperately trying to grab a grab a yes, fish th which that, is that is definitely there is no internal struggle th i think yeah i think it's like the yeah, james you hit the bond nail right on the head all external no internal it's like the james bond movies but without the explosions yep. or the girls and at that point why would you watch james <laughs> do you want to watch james <laughs> bond monologue about you know how how much how much he slightly not not even significantly how much he slightly misses one of the 20 women that he slept with you know <laughs> and, and it's not a strong want either it's just you know like you know i feel a slight a slight you know i feel like i might have made some slight mistakes in my past but whatever let me go fishing you know that's not an exciting i feel story. a slight disturbance in the force <laughs> It's neither plot driven nor character course. driven. It's just yeah. it's just there. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think that's right. So I think we've established that small scale stories can be done well. We all know that. And that's it's lack of character themes here and struggle internal. And lack of other people, I'd say. As definitely deduce the story to something that is not very good. How do you feel all about all the visual descriptiveness of the story? I feel it was, I, actually, I don't know, pretty good. I mean, I thought it was really clever. I mean, I all think, books have visual descriptions. But. No, the writing style was what really got me. Like, the writing style, if you... It wasn't what they said that was important. It was what he didn't say. You know what I mean? Well, no. like, early on, there's this scene where he talks about, have the papers come in to ha have you, have the papers come in today? You remember that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the reason why, and then... The one with the, like... Hello? Continue, sorry. You, like, you lag super hard, so, like, I think you're about to, like... I think you're about to stop saying something, and then you keep talking, and then I'm like, and I start talking, and then you're still talking. It just lags super hard. <laughs> keep going. Oh, this is going to be so much fun in post-production. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyway, what was I talking about? I forgot what I was talking about. The, 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 news, the newspaper scene. Right, have, the newspaper. There have been, like, new newspapers. Yeah, so he's talking about newspapers, and then it says, of course, they didn't have the money to afford newspapers. <laughs> so they were talking about non-existent food and newspaper and acting like they had just intentionally not gotten those things, when in reality, they didn't have the money for it. And I feel like it's the same thing here. Like, we, we can infer pretty easily that this dude misses his wife pretty badly, right? 
Yeah, I'm here. You're just lagging so hard, dude. So I said we can infer that this guy misses his wife pretty badly, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, but if you pay attention to it, I don't think it really explicitly says that. It's just how much he tries to avoid the topic whenever it comes up. And in spite of that, he keeps on thinking about it. And I feel like it's so much more descriptive that way, because you're allowed to, like, figure out his... Like, you know, if that's the case, maybe we're the ones who are messing up here. Maybe there was, like, hundreds of layers of internal, you know, conflict that we just missed because <laughs> we weren't digging deep enough. <laughs> oh, man, I really hope not. Because um, goodness knows, there isn't anything... There's no such thing as digging too deep into movies when it comes to the internet. That is non-existent. I can verify that. That is indeed true. <laughs> Game theory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, so, you have any thoughts on the writing style? So, then? not really. I don't know. It just felt like another book. I don't really pick up on stuff like that. I don't know. I mostly pick up the dialogue, but... So, um, do you have anything else that you'd like to say about the book? I just want to say that one reason why I might have disliked it so much because of, like, it's inadequacy to do certain things that are essential to make, like, a good story, a good story. But, um, do you feel its length had anything to do with it? Because, like, when you think about it, like, those TV shows, they had multiple seasons and episodes to do, or a regular book has, like, hundreds of more pages. So do you feel like the the length at all affected in Absolutely any way not. how the story turned out you don't feel that at all zero i have read two thousand word stories that were more compelling than this no 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 that, that that's what i'm saying no 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 because it's so short do you think that's one reason why it wasn't no, very what, good and what i'm because saying really what I'm saying is that I've read 501,000 word stories that are more, you know, compelling than this. So what I'm saying is length is not a strong determinator of value. So you don't think that this story could have been better with more length to explore different no, he wasted and explain characters Hemingway better? Hemingway wasted those... If a 2000... Okay, Outcasts of Poker Flat is one of the best short stories I've read in a while, right? And in about 3,000 words... Let, let me see who wrote it. I can't remember who wrote it. Um, Let's see. Yes. American Wes... Um, um, Bret Hart, okay? The Outcasts of Poker Flat. It's something like 2,000 words, and it's one of the best short stories I've ever read. And it's because he doesn't waste any time. Hemingway tries to act like, you know, he, he distills it down to its most essential elements, right? You know, what, mm -hmm. what Bret Hart manages to do in The Outcast of Poker Flat is just... He, he goes through the story... And some, I'm, I don't want to spoil it for you because it's such a good story. Do you want to? Okay. Are you sure you want me to? Should I go into detail or do you no, want me to? No, 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 don't then. Maybe we can review that another time. Yeah, and juxtapose it with this, right? 
I'll, so I'll just give like an overall thing of what Bret Hart managed to do. Bret Hart, in about the first two hundred words, he he quickly builds up the setting. He throws you a couple characters that you immediately care about because of their striking characteristics, very vivid people. Then he th- he throws them all into a bottle and then cr- throws it into a fire, throws the bottle into a fire, and watches as they all, like, spontaneously explode. And within those 2,000 words, like, you're completely invested. So, I mean, like... With the 20,000 words Ernest Hemingway was able to use here, Ernest Hemingway should have been able to make a significantly more, you know, nuanced, in-depth story. He simply Mm. wasted that. He wasted the words on, you know, fish stories and... Flowery descriptions. Pretty much just... It's pseudo-depth. It's pseudo-depth is what it is. He's pretending that, you know, there's so much depth to the guys dreaming about lines, and it's like, I don't care, man. I don't... He wants to fish. I don't understand why he wants to fish. I don't care that he wants to fish. Just, Just let this be over. Please. So, I think it's fair to assume that we don't have very high opinions on this. So, um, before we go into the ratings, is there anything else that you'd like to add in? I think I've put in my one cent. <laughs> let, me, let me drop in my uh, so penny here. What are you going to use your cent on? Let's see here. So, quick thoughts, pretty much. Um, right off the top of my head, I thought it was pretty interesting that he didn't assign names. I think again it's part it was part of, you know, trying to distill a story down to its essential elements, so rather than characters, it's archetypes. You have the old man and you have the young man and you have the fish. You don't have Mr. Johnson Johnny exploding five thousand and Mrs. Baby Baby Three Two. Um it's just the old man and the which I think I think that might be part of the problem. He saw them as archetypes and as roles in a story, kind of like Lord of the Rings, rather than uh, mm-hmm. rather than actual characters in their own right. <coughs> Any regret now on rating that so high then? What Lord of No, Lord of the Rings at least had some really amazing like the plot was at least really good and the world building was some okay, of the best yeah, just, best I'm of all time. Like this has very mm-hmm. few redeeming yeah. characteristics. Okay. I would definitely agree. And that's why I'm gonna be giving this a three out of ten. I I'm gonna be I didn't hate it. I just thought it wasn't nearly as good as what everybody made it out to be. Um, so I'd have to say 4 out of 10 myself. Okay, so overall, the Narrative the narrative Calculus Podcast is not a fan of this book. Don't read it if you don't have to, which you might have to if you're in school. So 3.5...
Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Um, we really appreciate all our listeners. We've been seeing that there's been some more of you guys. So thank you. Keep up the good work. Be sure to tell your friends about our podcast. You can listen to us on anywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you are listening to your music or podcast, basically. Um, we're going to be coming out with some new episodes soon, some stuff that you guys would hopefully like a lot. And we'll, I guess we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.